0: Uh, with us on the phone is Larry Agrin. Welcome, Larry. Hi. How you doing? Hey. Cool. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah. Uh, on Wednesday, you're going to be talking at a um, uh, ex- exhibit opening uh, on Irvine, uh, the history of its uh, origins and its development. Um, so this is your chance to talk about the town and gown issues. I think uh, you've seen it all, right? You from almost the very beginning. You've been here, and uh, When did you start living in Irvine?
1: Yes, I uh, arrived uh, on the scene not long after incorporation, which was uh, uh, December of 1971. I arrived uh, about 1975, and of course, uh, preceding incorporation, the uh, city had been uh, under the jurisdiction of the county. And it had grown uh, from a tiny village, a series of houses, to uh, a community of about fifteen thousand or so. When the voters decided they wanted to be a, a city, so I I arrived on the scene uh, after that early turmoil and early achievement, and have been here ever since. Uh, I arrived uh, with my wife and our son in 1975, and we uh, actually came here uh, because my wife was accepted to medical school at UCI. She was in that first wave of women who finally uh, broke through the barriers that had existed up till then, and uh, uh, we uh, we've been here ever since. I was elected to the council in 1978, served until 1990, and then. Uh, After an eight-year hiatus, I was elected to the council again in 1998, and I've been on since and have managed in that period to serve for 10 years as mayor as well. So I've seen a lot, and uh, I'm very proud of uh, what we've managed to achieve uh, with the university, with Irvine Company planners, uh, with our own independent municipality as well.
0: And your wife, Phyllis, has been associated with the university uh, since that time.
1: Yes, she uh, was a uh, full professor uh, of pediatrics and is uh, now actually emeritus. Although she continues to practice, uh, she's uh, retired uh, from the day-to-day responsibilities at the university.
0: You know, in in the early days, were you skeptical? Uh, I remember you as more a critic of the university, I remember, because you would show up at labor rallies and, <laughs> and speak out about labor conditions, even, even recently, I think.
1: Yes, well, every institution needs uh, criticism, constructive criticism, <laughs> and uh, even to be challenged from time to time. That's certainly true in the city uh, with our municipal government. It's uh, true as well that UCI, uh, a major institution that sometimes falls short of its mission, of its goals, and needs to be reminded by uh, elected officials and by uh, students and faculty and ordinary citizens alike uh, of its responsibilities as a public institution. Uh, I I might add that... uh, uh, Phyllis and I, uh, well, we've attended uh, UCLA, uh, where we're both uh, UC Berkeley graduates, and of course, uh, both of us have been affiliated with UCI as well. I did some teaching there, and uh, it's an outstanding institution, but no no institution is immune to scrutiny, criticism, and improvement.
0: For sure. And... Uh... Did you, when you first came with there, was this more like a farmland? Uh, were there animals around?
1: <laughs> well, there were some. Uh, the university was um, a pretty big footprint, even when we arrived in 1975. Uh, it, uh, it was, however, surrounded by a good deal of farmland and uh, the area north of the 405 was largely, mostly, farmland, which uh, has since been developed, the flatland areas as we call them. The hillsides uh, had uh, grazing uh, cattle, and there were cattle roundups. Uh, hmm. uh, some of us were very, very determined and ultimately successful in preserving most of the hillside open space areas, and actually uh, Irvine boasts today one of the largest metropolitan uh, open space preserves of any city in the United States of America, and uh, that was largely the result of a real struggle between uh, those of us who felt that the city ought to be in the driver's seat on land land use decision. And, of course, developers, uh, including the Irvine Company, had a very different idea.
0: And uh, was there any, uh, at the time, were there also uh, orange groves in the area?
1: Yes, many orange groves. I'm happy to report that with the advent uh, of the Great Park, we've actually planted more orange trees out there and have been planted anywhere else in Orange County uh, just in the last two years. We've got about 2,000 or 2,500 orange trees in the ground, more to come. But uh, this area was just loaded with orange groves uh, in the mid-1970s. And, uh, in fact, you could go up uh, Jeffrey Road and the, uh, the fragrance would be just wonderful, almost overwhelming. Uh, at certain times of the year and uh, that that for, for the most part is gone but we're reintroducing it at the Great Park.
0: So the town gown um, issues, were was it mostly between developers and the city or was it also with the university?
1: No, I think uh, there has been a real tension of sorts uh, with the university. I mean, uh, sometimes there have been cooperative efforts but I'll tell you when I look back over the many years of public service here and the fact that we have developed this remarkable planned city which is only about 20 years from completion uh, I'm, I'm kind of amazed at how few faculty members have been involved in Civic life. I mean, there are perhaps 10 to 20 over the period of decades now who have really gotten seriously invested in hmm. municipal life. And uh, it has created a certain physical and psychological separation between the university and the rest of the city that is kind of regrettable.
0: Is that because? Uh, The faculty tend to live on University Hill, for instance, and they don't seem like they're part of the city, maybe?
1: Well, some do. Others live throughout the city. But um, I think in the main, it's because the university, of course, which is involved heavily now in fundraising for its own survival, And uh, it's a place where faculty members are measured by their scholarly research, and although a lot of lip service is paid to the notion of community service, uh, in the end, I think it's a very low priority at the university in the hierarchy of things, and as a result of that, um, we just don't have the degree of involvement uh, that we should.
0: Maybe it varies depending on the school. You know, at uh, the law school, one of the objects is uh, community service, I think. Yeah. Objectives, I mean, yeah.
1: Yes, I think uh, we'll see how that evolves over time. I'm hoping that that will be the case. Certainly, we have many, many people throughout our city who desperately need legal services through the Legal Aid Society, but the law school itself uh, could develop, and I hope will develop a culture of public service that will distinguish itself. Um, so we'll see.
0: You studied uh, at Berkeley uh, um, uh, public interest law. So, well,
1: actually, uh, I went to law school at Harvard. My undergraduate oh, Harvard, yeah, sorry, sorry,
0: yeah, of was course, in
1: uh, economics, yeah. uh, also uh, in history. Uh, I majored in American history and economics uh, at Berkeley, graduated in 1966 and then went to Harvard Law School where I did study public interest law. That was the emphasis uh, obviously in the main the law school curriculum is pretty much the same for everyone, but where I could I tried to focus on public interest law which has served me well and allow, allowed me to uh, become legal counsel with the state legislature, and I think uh, apply some of that knowledge and some of those skills uh, here in governance at the local level.
0: That was quite early on. So was that a new uh, field then, public interest law?
1: It was. uh, It was new terminology uh, growing out of the great society and the reform period of the 1960s where the law, As compared with uh, the 40s and 50s, uh, the law was seen as a genuine instrument potentially for civic reform and civic improvement. And indeed, uh, many of us took that message seriously and applied it to our endeavors after we graduated from law school. Uh,
0: We're in the middle of our pledge drive here at KUCI, so the number to call is 949 824 5824. Uh, Thank you for listening to this interview, uh, which is live. Um, This is Dan Zhang with Subversity here on KUCI. Um, What is your proudest accomplishment as a a public official, then?
1: Well, there are several, but uh, let me speak to three of them. First, uh, in 1988, after more than 10 years of struggle, we finally adopted a citywide open space initiative which made permanent an open space plan to set aside about 16,000 acres of natural open space areas throughout the city of Irvine. This was the culmination of a long struggle, principally with the Irvine company, to decide just how much of Irvine would be developed and just how much would be preserved in perpetuity as natural open space and uh, that was a, a genuine movement and there was a fair amount of acrimony along the way but in the end agreement was reached uh, with the Irvine company the voters ratified the plan and to this day it helps explain why we have hillsides and open spaces ringing the city of Irvine, and they will be there in a 100 years, 500 years, and beyond.
0: And lots of trees, too.
1: Lots of trees, and of course, with the Great Park now, we're connecting it all up in the northern part of the city, so this is going to be quite a remarkable place, as contrasted with most of Southern California, which has been subjected to suburban sprawl and all of the ugliness that that frankly brings. My second proudest achievement uh, uh, was the taking up of the fight to defeat the ill-advised plan of the County Board of Supervisors and major developers to at the decommissioned El Toro Marine Corps Air Station uh, to put right in the middle of the Saddleback Valley, right at that decommissioned base, a commercial airport that would be uh, roughly two-thirds the size of LAX. Hmm. And it would, in effect, replace John Wayne Airport with a mega airport in Orange County, that would have devastating consequences, not just to the city of Irvine, but to the entire Orange County metropolitan area. The environmental effects would be, uh, as I say, devastating. Uh, Well, not only did we defeat the airport, but we replaced it ultimately. After four countywide initiatives, we replaced it with a plan to build a great metropolitan park called the Orange County Great Park, which when it's completed will be more than twice the size of Central Park in New York. Wow. And will be larger even than San Diego's Balboa Park and will be, uh, I think, the great public gathering space here in Orange County for hundreds of years to come. That uh, great park is now under construction, Um, notwithstanding the real estate depression and the Great Recession. We have managed to continue in our planning, in our design, and now our phase one construction is underway there. Uh, People will know where the park is under construction by uh, looking for the tethered helium balloon which already has hosted 200,000 people who have taken it aloft, uh, free of charge, I might add, uh, to uh, 400 feet in the air and can get a sense of the scope and the likely grandeur of the great park that is to come.
0: How did, Oh, it's tethered, so it doesn't... I mean, even when you're up there, they pull you back down, huh?
1: Yes, they do. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a hot air balloon, but... Floats well, freely, it's tethered, and it uh, it's a delightful a delightful ride.
0: You've been uh, up. You've been up.
1: I've been up many times, and ah. it creates a platform from which uh, any passenger can get a three hundred and sixty degree view of wow. Orange County, including areas that are now under cultivation and otherwise part of the Great Park development. And let me just mention my third uh, um, very proud uh, uh, achievement for our city, and that is the fact, as underscored by the recent uh, census, that Irvine is probably now uh, among the hundred largest cities. It is not only the safest city in America, but it is the most thoroughly integrated city it is at once diverse and thoroughly integrated integrated racially ethnically culturally every uh, census tract uh, shows that people of all backgrounds all generations are uh, living together in relative harmony in fact uh things stand now, just under 40% of the city are Asian uh, Pacific Islander. Um, About 43% are traditional Caucasian. I must add that that includes a fair number of uh, Persians, uh, Iranians, uh, and others who identify themselves as Caucasian, but are really part of the remarkable international overlay, about 10% Hispanic in the city, about 2% black, about 15% uh, uh, from the Middle East, uh, from East India, from Pakistan, Afghanistan, and a variety of other places. So it's a remarkably, as I say, diverse and fully integrated city. And I want to underscore that because basically Irvine is a planned Community was able to capitalize on the triumph of the modern civil rights movement, which had cleared away uh, any uh, uh, de jure or de facto uh, discrimination in housing, in employment, in education, and so it created uh, the opportunity for us uh, here in Irvine without any history of all of that, uh, on a clean slate to be able to build a community that welcomed people not just from all corners of the United States, but from all corners of the world. And uh, as a result, uh, I think we can say definitively and prove that Irvine is not just the most diverse, but the most thoroughly integrated city of any of the top 100 cities in the United States of America.
0: For sure. Uh, I did an exhibit uh, in the same library that you're going to be talking at um, a, a few years back on uh, immigrant lives in Orange County and the O.C. Yes. And that, uh, It was a kind of a takeoff against the TV depiction of Orange County to show how diverse we were and how many problems we had to fight uh, people who were uh, kind of below the radar and uh, workers especially were a lot of, you know, issues uh, that led to the development of Orange County. And uh, one of the things I remember putting in the exhibit was a huge uh, Persian directory, and I put a lot of ethnic directories, and that's one indicator of the development of the ethnic diversity of this county, uh, including Irvine.
1: That's right. Well, I'll tell you, our uh, former mayor, I was mayor, of course, but there have been others, uh, but uh, our, our most... Uh, Recent uh, mayor before Suki Kang became mayor, Beth Crom, used to remark uh, with absolute accuracy that children here can actually, uh, in Irvine, experience the world without ever leaving the, the city of Irvine's borders. So it's um, it's a real achievement and uh, uh, successive generations are going to uh, benefit tremendously. This area will never be segregated the way cities were in the 20th and 19th centuries. That just isn't going to happen. You, and, you, uh,
0: yeah. You it, you always say that it's the safest city, but I remember the last few couple of years there was like three at least three murders, right? One in Verano, one uh the housing unit one uh, behind Tri Village uh, restaurant, uh, the chef there was uh, killed, and yeah. a black woman uh, was killed in a business uh, area. Uh, she,
1: in that case of the black woman, uh, she was apparently uh, her body uh, was um, placed there. Was placed there. Yeah, I hate to say the word dumped. It's so uh, yeah, yeah. disrespectful, but but uh, you know the misfortune there was. Not only that she was killed, but that her body was apparently transported here. Now, I'm not saying we have no crime or no violent crime, (laughs) but uh, considering the fact that our nighttime population is pushing 220,000, our daytime population is well over 300,000 people in the city, uh, there are lots of opportunities for all kinds of crime, including violent crime. But uh, we've managed to, through the recruitment and retention, education of outstanding police officers who are now, uh, in many cases, bilingual and even multilingual and who uh, are out in the community, we've managed to produce an astounding record of being, as measured by FBI statistics on violent crime, we are, for cities, over 100,000 people, the safest city in the United States of America when it comes to violent crime. Um, Not just one year, not two years, but seven years in a row, which is just an astonishing record of achievement.
0: Uh, When you look back uh, on your relationship, on the city's relationship with the Irvine Company, is it easier now to be um, more um, kind of um, magnanimous about this and look at it uh, it, without being uh, as upset as one might be at the beginning?
1: Yes. uh, Things are much less contentious, much more cooperative. Really, when we created that open space agreement and when it was ratified by the voters, it helped everybody. It helped the city understand that open space would not be vanishing that development would be permitted in certain flatland areas, but that the contentious issues of development versus open space were settled. And once that was settled, it created a new paradigm to allow the city to continue to evolve with development limited to certain areas and open space protected in perpetuity. And... uh Ever since that happened, things have been a lot smoother. Now, that was the late 1980s, and, you know, from time to time, there are still um, aggravations, and, uh, uh, you know, my job as an elected official is to speak up for the public interest and make sure that out of any new development, the public gets the best possible deal, that is to say parks and recreation areas, adequate funding for schools, all of that has to be provided as a part of any new development. And if it isn't, then I have to be willing to say no until it is.
0: So how did that happen, uh, Larry Agron? Uh, we're talking with Larry Agrin, a longtime uh, public official here in Irvine. Um, how did that happen uh, was uh, was there ever the risk of the Irvine City Council being in the pocket of Irvine Company?
1: Oh, yes. It's always possible. Uh, let's face it, um, virtually every community in California, probably across the country, uh, has to face the moment of truth uh, and decide whether it's going to to be a community run by developers and other special interests, or is it going to be a community that serves broad public interest? And uh, I think uh, in the main, the city of Irvine decided that this is going to be an area for serving the broad public interest.
0: So you can shake hands with the people. Um, I mean, who are from the Irvine Company. Now you don't feel. Oh yes.
1: yes. <laughs> Look, uh, you yeah. know, it's important to recognize that uh, we need developers. We need people who will build houses and apartment units. We need uh, places to live, and we need uh, to grow in many respects. Um, and. I have found over the years that there are some uh, developers who are blatantly disregarding the public interest, but the better developers, the more durable ones, uh, the ones who are trusted over time, are ones who recognize that uh, the public interest is critically important as well. And, uh It's important for them to be a part of that. There are many people in the development community who are uh, just as idealistic as those of us uh, who are perhaps in the uh, public interest community as well. So uh, um, it's finding the common ground with folks like that and recognizing that um, You know, a strong, principled advocacy on behalf of the public interest uh, can be compatible with reasonable private profit, which is, of course, the motivation of uh, most of the for-profit firms that are in the area.
0: Do you think when they gave away Irvine Company gave away the land to the to set up a university, did they have profit in mind, or was it a public interest in mind?
1: Well, I think both. Uh, they recognize that to have a campus of the University of California here in Orange County uh, would be a um, galvanizing <laughs> development for purposes of building a city and a metropolitan area around it. And, in fact, that is exactly the way it has worked out. And, uh, um... It hasn't been easy, and there's been plenty of conflict, but uh, people can have mixed motivation. And uh, I think in the case of the establishment of the university, there was on the part of the people then running the Irvine Company, uh, a mix of real idealism to build a better community, a new kind of community, a planned community, a better community and to make profit uh, at it, while at the same time uh, having something at the end to show to the world that is exemplary. And I think uh, in many respects, that's what we've become. We're not perfect. Plenty of problems exist, but I think we've made a lot of headway.
0: Does the uh, the fact that you, uh, you, you, you ran for president once... Uh, Does that mean now you've given up any um, dreams of high office?
1: Yes, I actually have learned to uh, really appreciate what we're able to achieve here locally. And I think we can establish an example, uh, both uh, on the campus at UCI and in the larger Irvine community, an example of what planning can do, not just for our city and our metropolitan area, but we can be an example to the rest of the country, and um, that's very rewarding, I mean, where we actually achieve these things locally, and here we're in the midst now of, notwithstanding this real estate depression and the Great Recession, we're building a great metropolitan park, where else in the country is that happening?
0: Well, if you had a chance to talk to faculty about uh, public interest involvement, what would you ask them to do to get them more involved or get the students more involved or the faculty more involved in the city?
1: I would ask them uh, whatever their field of endeavor. I would ask them to find a way of connecting with local elected officials and being a part of our civic improvement. For example, we're deeply involved now in trying to be uh, not only the safest city, which involves police, science, and the like, but uh, the smartest city. By that we mean education and efficiencies and uh, operations. And uh, the greenest city. Well, part of being a green city is applying new technologies we have uh, had the wonderful participation of Professor uh, Scott Samuelson and uh, engineering students mm-hmm. and others in energy-efficient systems that we can bring to bear at the Great Park and throughout our community. Uh, people just need to be willing to step forward and offer their services, and it seems to me where we have a great university campus, uh, there ought to be a culture of civic participation that is honored and even rewarded uh, in the culture of the university. That doesn't seem to be the case, so I uh, simply call upon uh, particularly the, uh, the professors who have been there uh, for many years and have established themselves. To come forward, we did get some help incidentally from uh, professor uh, uh, sherwood uh, Roland Ro- Roland right um, and he uh, Sherry Roland was instrumental in in the late nineteen eighties uh, the city uh, becoming the first u s city to establish a comprehensive ordinance banning uh, CFCs and other chlorofluorocarbons uh, and other ozone-depleting compounds that served as an example for the entire country. So it's with that kind of participation that uh, not only can we improve the life of our community, but we can apply the research, the skills, the insights that uh, emanate from the university and can be an example for uh, not just other communities in the United States, but the rest of the world.
0: I remember you were uh, part of this effort to uh, head up a city, uh, what was that, city effort? City, uh, you know, get cities more involved. Uh,
1: Yes, it was what what we called municipal foreign policy. Yeah, yeah. That cities, uh, by way of their policies relative to trade, communication, and the sharing of information with other cities, the willingness to speak out on matters of human rights, uh, the willingness to speak out on questions of national priorities, how much money we're spending for military purposes versus how much money we're spending to improve our local communities. All of that together was... Um, part of this municipal foreign policy effort which uh, sounded strange at the time, but it's very common now. Cities have friendship arrangements and technical uh, trade missions and the like that are making for a better world, and we're learning from other people and they're learning from us. And to the extent that we engage in those kinds of activities and relationships, it reduces the likelihood of war and improves the prospects for peace and mutual prosperity.
0: I think San Francisco or Berkeley might be, uh, you know, more known for that. Maybe huh? having sanctuaries, even for um, you know, so that people can have refuge there. Uh, different uh, different types of foreign policy implication uh, activities. Yes, um,
1: yes. cities uh, over the course of the last hundred years have been on and off involved in these kinds of activities. But now, with the speed-up in communication, the uh, dramatic ease with which people can communicate, they can share ideas and relationships around the world, Uh, every city should regard itself as a global city, able to participate in the affairs of global Citizenship.
0: Now, I've always been uh, interested in having uh, community control of the police, and uh, I just find it interesting that not many cities in California do have a, 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 a community control of the police in terms of civilian uh, review boards. Um, why do you think that's so?
1: Well, usually uh, civilian review boards grow out of a history of real conflict between the police and the community, particularly the powerless or minority communities within a larger urban community. Um, Fortunately, we have had very few of those kinds of episodes, and I tell people who feel that they have been victimized by police misconduct or disrespect of any kind, um, I tell them to contact me directly. I will absolutely um, make a call immediately to the chief of police, and people will be invited to come in and uh, tell their story, file a formal complaint if that's warranted, and the chief of police himself will be responsible for addressing any complaints Um, that has worked satisfactorily in some cases it's resulted in reprimands or other disciplinary action but that has proved to be the most direct and effective way in my judgment of dealing with these occasional instances I'm happy to report that very very few of those uh, uh, complaints have been forthcoming in the city, fewer over the years. We have uh, a program of what we call geo-policing, where the same police officers uh, police in geographic areas to be in touch with the community, and where, uh, by and large, we enlist the community to help us be a, a safe, respectful community. We believe in what we call constitutional policing, That is to say a big, big part of our policing is to respect the constitutional uh, rights of all citizens and where there's any allegation of violations of those rights um, or disregard of those rights, we want to hear about it right away and jump on it. We used to have a uh, public safety commission in the city, but it really Mm. sort of was redundant in that um, uh, the city council itself had an abiding interest, and I certainly share this, an abiding interest in effective policing, building the safest possible community, but doing it consistent with the protection of constitutional rights. Again, we're not perfect, but uh, we're uh, we're exemplary in many respects.
0: I'm worried about these anti-terrorism task forces that the Irvine Police and other police departments are part of, because uh, you know I've read some uh, reports that say that some of these have um, you know stopped people. Uh, you know, um, for instance, one of the Muslim students had to. Uh, drive, was driving uh, George Galloway, the MP from England, uh, UK, back to Orange County Airport, which I know is uh, is uh, technically not in Irvine, but um, but uh, he he took a picture of him at the airport, and then a few days later some uh, law enforcement types showed up and asked them why they were taking pictures at the Orange County Airport, and they were driving him from Irvine to see him off. These were MSU students. And so um, it seems like there's this network of exchange of information and sometimes these are just, um, you know, who's surveilling who, you know. I mean, is it the police surveilling the students? or And who are they surveilling? Is it the students or are they surveilling George Galloway? And where is the information uh, passed on? And so, I mean, local officials have uh, part of this hub, that uh, this network that transfers local information. So I'm... I I hope nothing like that is going on in Irvine.
1: Um, Well, I'll tell you, uh, ever since 9-11, of course, there's been a dramatic um, step up in the kinds of police activities that are uh, surveillance, which... um, Creates problems. I mean, let's face it. Uh, we want to <laughs> we want to be safe, uh, but at the same time, we want to be free. Striking the right balance is extremely difficult. And to the extent that something takes place that um, creates a question in your minds or the minds of your listeners, um, we want to hear about it. We uh, we want to strike the right. Balance we do communicate with others um, we um, uh, are a part of you know a policing network
0: sure.
1: that can be very troubling um, uh, to those of us who are concerned about civil liberties and I think it's just something we we have to all be sensitive to so again, if there are any episodes that have uh, Transpired that raise questions. Um, please let me know, and let's look into it and see if um, see if um, maybe we need to make some adjustments in our thinking or in our activities.
0: Do you know if the LA, uh, I mean the sorry the UCI Police Department has requested help from the Irvine Police uh, to um, to uh, monitor the activities on campus? Of student protesters?
1: I don't know about monitoring uh, activities, but I know that um, um, there is real cooperation. I think I'm, I want to say something very good here because I've reviewed uh, some of the communication from uh. the Chancellor uh, and others at the university. Uh, I think the university has, by and large, struck just the right balance over the years uh, protecting the civil rights and civil liberties of those uh, to express themselves even when their language or means of expression may be very offensive to others uh, and, uh, and uh, we, we, we want the university and the community at large to be a place where people can engage in very vigorous, uh, even even contentious uh, advocacy and speech. But, of course, we draw the line at violence uh, or um, activities that are uh, so disruptive as uh, as to deprive others of their civil rights or civil liberties.
0: But why? Why should the, these protesters be charged with felonies uh, or, are or, you or talk, misdemeanors? I mean, or be arrested? I mean, yeah.
1: You're referring to the specific episode that took place,
0: or two episodes. One was the Muslim Student Union a protest of the Israeli ambassador, and then the other one was within the same week, or uh, the next week or so, uh, in the same time period. Uh, uh, labor activists uh, outside the chancellor's office—they were all arrested, and now they all face criminal charges. I mean, they're not. Yes. Well,
1: well let me let me yeah. just say that uh, I'm a little more familiar with the former, right? Even right. though I wasn't there, uh, my own feeling—you you haven't asked this directly—but my own feeling is that the disciplinary action taken by the university. Uh, which um, was the way this was initially handled, seemed to me to be more appropriate. I do not favor escalation to a criminal prosecution. I think that's uh, a pretty serious mistake in terms of uh, the district attorney. Um, We'll see how that ultimately gets resolved, but I, I feel to the extent that the university um, took disciplinary action that that's the appropriate way to handle that. If you can handle it short of criminal prosecution, uh, that's, that's the sign of a, a free society that is managing to navigate its way through these difficult conflicts.
0: Yeah, I think they were misdemeanors, but the uh but they impanelled
1: criminal prosecution. Yeah,
0: but they a grand jury for um yes, for one of those and so that seemed kind of excessive to me. Well, I read
1: <laughs> the uh I think it was Erwin uh, Smith. Yeah, he right. uh wrote uh an op-ed uh, um, in the register criticizing yeah. in the register criticizing the uh district attorney and I I agreed with his comments.
0: So you don't foresee any thing like that happening in the city if there were protests over you know Taco Bell or something?
1: No, in fact <laughs> that, we have had yeah. many labor protests. Uh when uh, president uh well, the president Bush was in town there were protests. Yeah. Uh we have uh, uh Iranian groups and Syrian uh groups and Others who are uh, protesting or advocating on street corners, yeah. and uh, we encourage them to notify the police so that their civil liberties will be protected, so that they can safely uh, advocate. And um, in fact, uh, we we've got a long and proud record in that regard. Again, we're committed to constitutional policing. <laughs> Not, uh, not banging heads, not violating people's rights, but protecting uh, their rights.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, before we end, I was wondering if you could say something um, like support KUCI or something for
1: our pledge sure. drive. Sure. Well, KUCI has uh, been a longstanding institution here in uh, in Irvine, and uh, to the extent that we can. Be supportive of uh, radio free Irvine <laughs> uh, i'm I'm eager to see that. you know this is especially important that people support uh, local radio stations with the degeneration and even the demise of the newspapers and the press. Uh, it's important that radio be a means of communicating news, of uh, serving as a forum for debate and discussion and even controversy, and uh, KUCI plays a critical role in uh, the evolution of the city of Irvine into a mature community where people of all backgrounds and all views can uh, voice their opinions uh, freely, and in some cases very effectively, and help our community grow. So by all means, uh, if you've got a few extra bucks, support KUCI. Well,
0: thank you, and call 949-824-5824, and somebody there will be helping you going through our, our premiums. Um, so thank you very much, Larry Agren, for talking with us, and hope you come back.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the great work that you do. All and the best.
0: Thank you, and good luck on Wednesday's talk.
1: Thank, thank, you. thank you. Bye now.
0: I know it's over-subscribed.
1: <laughs> there we are. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye okay. now.
0: Bye-bye. So that was uh, Larry Agrin, um, the former mayor of Irvine, now a city councilman and um, originator of the Great Park idea. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, talking about the origins of um, um Irvine and relationship with developers, especially the Irvine company, and the fact that very few faculty get involved in the city. So here's there's some uh, kind of criticism of the university from a long time observer of the city uh, and of the university in our program today on town and gown here on subversity. So core. 949-824-5824, you heard Larry talk about the importance of free speech, of public radio, of even constitutional law enforcement. Um, and so if you have any problems with uh, being stopped by the police here in Irvine, call, uh, call the station and let me know. And, and we can talk to Larry Agron and see uh, to how he can resolve this. Um, So this is Dan Zhang here with Subversity here on another edition of Subversity, uh, an expanded program today uh, from 4 o'clock until now, uh, because we wanted to spend time talking about the KUCI 2011 Fund Drive, which continues, and you can call 949-824-5824 to pledge your support for this show and also for this radio station, KUCI, that has existed for decades now, actually. Uh, All volunteer staff um, and uh, all these DJs and show hosts are volunteers. And it's a dedication of love, of passion, and of interest in preserving uh, alternative views, alternative music here in this region of Orange County. So call 949-824-5824. We bring you interviews like the one we just did with um, Larry Agrin, who actually ran for uh, president as uh, trying to run as a Democrat, and then um, he essentially became a third-party candidate, I suppose. He was ready to junk it and... Uh, Declare himself a third-party candidate, I believe, and uh, no media attention at the time, uh, so he didn't get very far. Um, As you know, you need money to do a lot of these things, and uh, we're not asking you to run for president. We're just asking you to support this local radio station here that you depend on for music and for alternative views. KUCI, the station that is on this campus, that has survived several decades of low funding and even in this great recession now of uh, of uh, bad finances uh, for everybody. But give what you can. Call 824-5824, area code 949. Uh, this is Dan Tsang with Subversity. Uh, today we heard from uh, Larry Agrin, uh who is giving a talk uh, on Wednesday also, uh, but that talk is oversubscribed right now, and he's appearing with Dan Aldrich, Aldrich the Third, who's the interim vice chancellor for development at UC Irvine, but also the son of our original uh, chancellor, and uh, and uh, we will uh, and that talk is uh, in connection with the. Uh, exhibit that's opening at Langston Library uh, Wednesday uh, celebrating the history of Irvine, uh, its development, uh, the city of Irvine. There's an exhibit that a colleague of mine, Yvonne Wilson, uh, is uh, curating at Langston Library that will last for several months. And that's a spring 2011 exhibit in the UCI Libraries at Langston Library, which is across the bridge from University Center here in Irvine. And so you can um, come see the exhibit even if you don't attend the opening uh, um, forum because that is oversubscribed. But you can just come to the lobby of the Langston Library and see what is put up there. The uh, exhibit is just being assembled right now. Uh, The cases are empty. Uh, But by Wednesday it will be full of surprise and you will see some documents some materials some images that you haven't seen before so that's an opportunity to uh educate ourselves about the beginnings of this great city that lies um right next to us and that we are part of uh here at UC Irvine uh this is Dan Tsang, uh Signing off for Subversity here on KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine. To pledge your support for KUCI, call 949-824-5824. 949-824-5824. Call now to show your support for this station, this show, and other public affairs shows, other music shows here at this station. KUCI. 88.9 88.9 FM in Irvine, Nine four nine eight two four five eight two four.